Welcome to Marksman, a podcast for men who have been marked by Christ and who are aiming their lives at Christ-likeness. I'm Mark Spellman, your host, and want to welcome you to today's conversation. So glad you hit that play button. I always like to say thank you for sharing your time with me. It's my privilege, my honor, and I'm excited to share my time with you. Time is such a precious, precious gift, and so that's why we we pray over these podcasts and just pray that God would just speak by His Spirit, and there would just be a supply of the Spirit that would flow to all of us men as we join together in faith to aim our lives at Christ-likeness. And today we're going to shift gears just a little bit. We've we've talked a number of weeks uh, regarding uh, finances and stewardship and a kingdom grant. And if you missed any of those conversations, just go back on the Parks Marksman feed and just uh, hit the play button and and just listen to conversation after conversation. We spent several weeks on that topic, but I felt a release in my spirit and kind of a redirect in my heart and want to take a new direction here this week as we go to Ephesians chapter 3 and begin to dig into one of the prayers uh, in the book of Ephesians. And the uh, chapter 1 has a prayer where Paul prays, and also chapter 3 has a prayer that Paul prays over the believers there in Ephesus. And there's just a stern in my heart to dig into Ephesians 3 and that particular prayer as the Lord spoke to my heart today about a truth about when we aim our lives at Christ's likeness, one of the things that that means, or you could say equals, love leads. So I want you to think about that statement, love leads. Love always is in a position to give. Love's not a taker, love's a giver. God so loved the world that he what? He gave. Love gives. We were created by a Father in heaven who is a creator. And what does creating mean? It means making something. It means producing something. It means giving something. It's not taking. It's producing. It's creating. So I want you to think about the statement that if we're made in the image and likeness of God, Genesis 1, 26 through 28 says, man was formed, man was made, God said, Elohim, the Godhead, said, let us make man, or that means mankind, in our image, in in our likeness and our image. So if we have been made in the likeness and image of God, and we have, and he is a creator, then what does that mean for you and I, men? It means we are creators. And so what that means when you talk about what does it mean to aim at Christ's likeness, what does it mean to live and walk and abide in love, that means in any given situation, I have something to give. But a lot of times we measure circumstances, we measure relationships based upon what we get from them. Sometimes we even measure just when we're choosing jobs or choosing vocations, almost uh, most of the time, most people only line up, okay, what am I going to earn? What what kind of money am I going to make? What are going to be my benefits? Rather than, what is God's will? Because if I know I'm living in God's will, then even if God directs me to take a job or to do work or a 
take a career path that may not be in the natural, the most lucrative path where uh, you know finances are concerned. If I know I'm doing the will of God and I know I'm obeying my heavenly Father, then I can trust Him for every bit of finances and provision I'm going to need, and I don't have to put pressure on that job to be my source or that employer to be my source. I'm trusting God. I'm obeying God. I'm following God, and I can walk with Him. We talked all about that the last several weeks, about how we can live out of our kingdom inheritance, that we are truly, Romans 8 says, joint heirs, with Jesus Christ. And just like my wife and I, we have joint accounts. That means our name is on both accounts, or excuse me, both of our names on our, are on all of our accounts. That means I can spend money and make deposits. She can spend money and make deposits. Well, we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. His name is not the only name on the heavenly account. Your name is too. And that's why when we pray, we pray in the name of Jesus. When we, we pray about our financial situation, we pray about provision, we're not just praying in our own name. We're praying in the name of the one who opened our account and then put us on the account. <laughs> Amen. Just like whenever I got married, I put my wife on my accounts and made them joint accounts. And when we got married to Christ, that's why we're called the bride of Christ. It's not a gender thing. It's a covenant thing. And when we came into covenant with Christ, he says, I have an inheritance, but I'm going to put you on the account. And so when you access it, you access it in my name. And we pray in the name of Jesus. So again, my obedience to do what God called me to do and your obedience to do what God called you to do allows you then to just live in a place of freedom so that no matter what the circumstance is, I have, you have, we have something to give. Love is always in position to give. Love does not have to take. Love does not. Uh, love is not validated by what it gets. Love is validated by what it is able to give. And when we get a revelation that we have been born of love, we've been fathered by love, we're made in the image and likeness of love, and we're always in position to give, and we don't have to measure our relationships by what we're getting and what we're taking, but by what we're giving, then we actually enter into not only freedom, hallelujah, but we enter into more and more Christ-likeness. So let's let's get into agreement around the Word today. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 3, and I'm going to be reading a lot of this from the Amplified Classic, so um, maybe a little bit loud, but that's okay. I like things amplified. <laughs> so amplified, classic edition, Ephesians 3, verse 14, it begins. Here's what Paul is praying, and I want us to I want us to just dive into this prayer today. I want us to dive in with our hearts. I want us to expect that we are working with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is working with us, and we're aiming our lives, men. We're aiming our lives at Christ-likeness. Because that's going to position me in every relationship I have, whether it's me as a father, whether it's me as a husband, whether it's me as a person at work and on my, um, you know, doing my career, my vocation, my calling, and I'm working with people, no matter what the relationship dynamic is, it puts me in position 
to give into that relationship and not have to take. Love is a giver. Love is an inexhaustible supply and source. That's who our God is, and that's who Christ is in us. So here we go. Ephesians 3.14, it says, For this reason, seeing the greatness of this plan by which you are built together in Christ, I bow my knees before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you catch that? Seeing the greatness of this plan by which you are built together in Christ. Men, we have to keep our eyes on the greatness of this plan. The plan by which he built us together in Christ. He built us together. God is building something, but he's building it with people. He's building it with your family. He's building it with your spouse. He's building it with your children. He's building it with the relationships you and I have. He's building this house with lives, with hearts, with families. And men, we have a calling upon us. We, we're not just the heads of our home just so that we can boss everybody around. We're the heads of our home so that we can lead our homes. You know, God chose Abraham. You can read about it in Genesis 18, 19. Genesis 18, 19. God says, for I know Abraham that he will command his household after him that they keep the way of the Lord. In other words, he chose Abraham because Abraham would take his faith in God and his covenant with God, and then he would lead. That's what commandment, you know, being a commander is being a leader. And he was going to lead in his home. He was going to lead them in the way of the Lord. And the best way we lead is by example. And so Abraham led by example And then his children after him and his grandchildren after him and his great-grandchildren after him followed that example of walking by faith in covenant with God Almighty. And that's why God is referred to often as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Generationally, God was recognized as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why? Because Abraham took the lead. And Abraham took the command of his home and the leadership of his home, and he led in his love for God and his love for God's people. And so here it says, Seeing the greatness of this plan by which we are built together in Christ, I bow my knees before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus revealed God as Father all through the Old Testament You can study the different compound names of God. You know, Jehovah Nissi, uh, Jehovah Sidkenu, Jehovah Jireh, you know, the Lord our provider, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer, uh, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. You know, the different compound names of God, you know, Elohim, um, Adonai, just different names for Jehovah himself, you know, the self-existent one, the eternal one these different names of God, and then Jesus comes along, Yeshua comes along, and he introduces God as Father. And he taught his disciples to pray. He said, "He said, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Amen. And so he, he introduced God as Father, which was a major shift 
not only in in how we saw God, but how we are to understand God sees us. And so how we connect with God in this covenant, now this new covenant is between a father and his son and his son's offspring. You know, Isaac was the promised seed of Abraham, but really the prophetic promise to Abraham and to his seed was actually the seed of Christ. And Galatians 3 unpacks all that, where we are now children of Abraham through Jesus Christ, because the promise was to his seed singular. Well, that wasn't just Isaac. It was Christ. Christ was the ultimate fulfillment. And Christ is the one that God made covenant with in the new covenant of which we all enter into covenant with God. And now we say, God, our father. Hallelujah. We've been born again, born of his spirit, born of that incorruptible seed of his word. And now we can say our father. And so again, we bow our knees before the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom every family in heaven and earth is named the father from whom all fatherhood takes its title and derives its name. Let's talk about that word father just for a moment. You know, if if just simply put, we, we could look at this as father and we could only think of a gender, you know, male. But we realize this, that when God made man initially, uh, he just made Adam. It wasn't until Adam worked with God for a while and there was not found a suitable helpmate or partner with him, and he really had no way to reproduce. It wasn't until then he took the rib out of Adam, formed a woman, made her, then brought her to him, and then he named her, whoa, man, <laughs> right? He named her woman, and so then they too became one flesh and they then worked together. They, they of course, were then intimate, and they brought forth their firstborn, uh, Cain. And, you know, we had Cain and Abel brought forth the children. Well, see, what happened is this gender thing oftentimes is ascribed to God. When we say Father God, we simply only think of a male uh, image in our mind. And and I'm not trying to take away from that, but I am wanting to just shine a little bit more light on that in the fact that when we look at Father God, the word Father just simply means to come forth from, to come forth from. Now, all of us came forth from the womb of a woman, right? <laughs> but that woman did not have the seed in her womb until a male went into her, right? This is all just simple you know, bi- uh, biology, you know, simple stuff here. But here's the point. We all came forth from our parents. My parents are Robert and Connie Spellman. But I physically came forth from the womb of my mother, Connie Spellman. But it was the result of the one flesh, Robert and Connie Spellman, that brought forth my life. And we all came forth from God. God fathered us. Our spirit, you know, our spirit was given a body. And when Robert and Connie came together, you know, biologically, my spirit, that spark that happened in the womb of Connie Spellman, when that seed 
connected to the egg, there was that spark of light, and my spirit entered. Well, my spirit, who I am, came from God. I was fathered from God. My my spirit was given a body through my parents, but my parents didn't create me. My spirit and your spirit, we came from God. God fathered us. And so that's why the blood had to be shed and a man had to lay down his life and innocent for the guilty. And through the shedding of blood, our sins could be forgiven. Our sins could be remitted and we could be redeemed. And then we could actually experience what the Bible calls a new birth, a new birth. And so that's why Jesus said in John 3 to Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must be born again. And so when we're born again, we're not physically born again, we're spiritually born again, and our spirit comes alive in Christ. And so now when we talk to God, we we speak to him as Father, amen? And so this Father of whom every family in heaven and earth is named, the Father from whom all fatherhood, or we could say all parenting, all parenting takes place under the fatherhood of God. It's something that we do as parents, moms and dads, dads and moms. We're, we're fathering our children. We're, we're touching their heart with the heart of the Father. But it takes a male and a female to accomplish that. It, not just a male alone can father a child. It, you know, this woman came out of man and then came back together. But together, parents work to touch their children with the Father's heart. Our Father's heart. But that's something man and woman work together to do in marriage and covenant. And you can see why, why, why the enemy fights so hard to tear apart marriages, to tear apart homes, to create pain between parents and children and children and parents, because there is such a beautiful thing God desires to do in fathering his family. And so this is why when Paul's praying here, He's praying and connecting with God, God who wants to father us. He wants to parent us. He wants to lead us, guide us, protect us. He wants to nurture us and feed us and teach us. And so that's where he's coming from when he's praying. And he says, Father, the Father of my Lord Jesus Christ, I bow my knees to you. You are the one of of whom every family in heaven and earth is named, the father of whom all fatherhood takes and titles and gets the title and derives its name. May he grant you out of the rich treasury of his glory to be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man by the Holy Spirit himself indwelling your innermost being and personality. So he goes right into the fact that we, We as men, we have help. We have inside help. We have help that is so faithful, so mighty. I mean, the Holy Spirit, the same one that when God spoke into the darkness and when God spoke over the waters of chaos and he said, light be, and the darkness was pushed back. And when he began to form the earth and he and he gave the, the water its boundaries and he, he caused the mountains to come forth and the valleys to form and the birds in the air and the, and the fish in the sea, this God who was creating, this Father who was creating, he was doing it through the agency of the Holy Spirit. 
And now Holy Spirit is inside of us as born-again believers. In John 20, when Jesus breathed on his disciples after his resurrection, he breathed on them and said, Receive Holy Spirit. Whoever sins you remit, they are remitted. Whoever sins you retain, they are retained. So now we have received Holy Spirit, just like in the beginning, God breathed into man the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Well, now we've received Holy Spirit through the new birth and the work of the Holy Spirit. And now we are indwelled, himself indwelling our innermost being and personality. And so this positions us as men to always be in a position to lead. We are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. And we can simply ask ourselves, what would love say in this situation? What would love do in this situation? What is love wanting to create in this situation? And that's a question we'll have to ask ourselves all throughout the day. It's not like a one-time, once-a-week prayer. I'm telling you time after time, moment after moment, morning after morning, afternoon after afternoon, evening after evening, we are going to have that question in our heart. God, my Father, what do you want to create in this situation? How do I position myself to give into this situation? Don't let me measure the situation by what I'm getting or what I'm receiving. How can I position myself as a lover, as a creator, to work with you, my Father, and create something with my words, create something with my behavior, create something with my actions. Because you are the Father of whom all fatherhood takes its name and derives its title. Help me work with my family like you work with me. Help me work with those on my job and in my, my business like you work with me. Help me touch even the strangers that I meet on the street or at the at the grocery store. Help me touch every living, breathing soul from a place that you've touched me. Don't let it be how they treat me. Let it be how am I treating them. A lot of times we can just completely lose our peace because of how a person drives or how a person acts or what a person says or doesn't say. And then all of a sudden, what they see is determining how we're doing versus we see what God knows about our life. And we see how God sees and that determines how we're doing. Because here's a, here's a sad thing. We don't want to put our joy and our peace into the hands of others. We want to take that joy and that peace that God offers us continually because of how he sees us and how if we'll partner with him, we can sow and we can grow and we can create with him as our father. Because the Holy Spirit himself, verse 16, indwelling our innermost being and personality. He goes on to say, May Christ, through your faith, actually dwell, settle down, abide, make his permanent home in your hearts. May you be rooted deep in love, founded securely on love. You know, men, we've talked about this in previous podcasts, but one of the greatest things we can give our family is stability. And that is what he's praying about here, that we would be founded securely upon love, 
founded, established, anchored securely on love. In other words, we allow God's love for us to anchor us. And it, in other words, we're not anchored by how anyone else is treating us except God. And God only touches us right. God only speaks into our life right. And that can secure our heart. That can anchor our heart. That can give us a firm and solid foundation so that whether we're you know, loving our wife, loving our children, loving people, uh, loving people at church, loving our pastors, loving you know church family, on and on it goes. We're we're loving from a place what a place that we have to give, and it's not about what we're getting. We're founded securely. We're rooted deeply. I love that deeply in love. Founded securely on love. Verse eighteen that you may have the power to be strong to apprehend and grasp with all of God's saints, his devoted people, the experience of that love, what is the breadth and length and height and depth of it. So you get the idea of all these different dimensions, you know, like north, south, east, west, the height, the depth, the breadth, the length, the full expression and experience of God's love. That you may really come, verse 19, to know practically through experience for yourselves the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled through all your being unto the fullness of God, that you may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled, that means entirely filled and flooded with God himself. Men, that's my prayer for you today as we work towards a wrap-up on today's conversation. I just want verse 19 and 20 and 21 to be just my point of connection with you and prayer for you. And I want to read that again to you, and I want to speak that over you. So just receive it in Jesus' name, that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves the love of Christ that love which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled through all your being unto all the fullness of God, and that you would have the richest measure of the divine presence, and that you would become a body, holy, entirely filled, and flooded with God himself. And if this prayer is going up even now unto him, who by in consequence of and the action of his power with power that's at work within you and within us, he's able to carry out his purpose. He's able to do super abundantly far above all that we would even dare ask or think infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, and dreams to him be glory in your life and in Christ Jesus and through the church throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I'm telling you, men, we are not alone. We are not alone. We are standing in the love of Christ. We are standing on the foundation of Christ. He is the cornerstone. He's the cornerstone of our lives. We need to make him the cornerstone of, cornerstone of our homes. We need to make him the cornerstone of our soul. We need to make him that rock of which we stand upon, and then we help our family stand upon that same rock. We help our children find their identity in Christ and in Christ alone. We help them to stand securely upon the rock of Christ. And then as they grow, 
They pursue God's plan for their life. They pray and they seek God and they recognize the gifts and graces that are in their life. And they submit those to the kingdom of God and say, God, be glorified with my life. Be glorified with my talents. Be glorified with all that you've taught me. And we teach our children then to just anchor their lives upon the rock of Christ, in the love of Christ. And then as men, we just love our wives. We, we love them. We don't need them. We love them. And we, we place their feet upon the rock, which is Christ. And so anyway, men, I just had it in my heart today to just break down a little bit of this prayer of Ephesians chapter 3. I read it to you in the Amplified. We kind of combed through it just a little bit. I encourage you this week, dig into this prayer. Work with God in prayer, praying for your spouse, praying for your children, praying for your coworkers, praying for your own heart, praying for yourself. There's just so much in there that you can meditate on and dig into and, and just allow the Holy Spirit to just speak to you and minister to you. And then you can take what he gives to you. You can give it away. You can, you can share it with your spouse and you can share it with your children and, you know, just love on them with the word, wash them with the water of the word. And so I just encourage you this week, men, take Ephesians chapter three, beginning in verse 14 through the end of the chapter. Just read it in different translations. I read the Amplified Classic. You can read it in the message. You can read it in the Passion Translation. You can read it in the voice. There's a lot of great other, you know, ESV um Living Bible, just different ones, complete Jewish Bible, different versions. Just get on you version. Just start clicking through the different things on your phone. You can pull up different translations and just study all this week and pray all this week out of Ephesians chapter three, verses 14 through the end of the chapter. And I know that it'll, it'll stir your heart. It'll anchor your heart and then it'll position you so that in your home and in your family and in your life and in your vocation, You're not in that place where you need people to treat you a certain way. You're in a place to give. You're in a place to love. You're in a place to lead because love always has something to give into every conversation, into every circumstance, into every relationship. Love always has something to give. 